Well, okay, if you can't hear me, uh, give me some kind of signal, you know, like this, or put your hand up or whatever, because um, we want people to be able to hear. I'll just give a couple um, sentences of uh, introduction. My name's Elizabeth, and I'm Saloma's daughter. You see Saloma over there. You, you can wave your hand in case people don't know. Okay. Um, and I grew up in Toronto, um, in, in Weston, and, but all my adult life I've been working in South Asia, coming back from time to time in India and Nepal on a Bible translation um, project and related work. Um, so it, it's been actually 30 years that my mom bought this house here in Georgetown, close by, on Pauline Street. Um, but whenever I would, and she too worked in uh, Pakistan for some time, as some of you know, whenever we would come home, if it was just for six months or a year or something, we didn't kind of feel like starting in a different church. We would go back to Toronto, to our own church, where, you know, I'd been going ever since I was nine years old, and that was my home church. That was my, they were supporting me, praying for me, and, and uh, but as the years kind of went on, and uh, none of us are, neither of us are as young as we used to be, there came a point when my mom said, I just can't drive that far all the time, you know, so, and she said, there's no need. In some countries, you know, you have to go miles and miles to meet with other believers. But in a place like this, where you've got an evangelical church right around the corner, why drive all the way into the city? So, um, you know, my mom started coming here to Maple Avenue. And in the last few years, especially with COVID and everything, um, you know, I've pretty well stopped going into the city. Except <laughs> I still do have a foot in each a boat kind of <laughs> from time to time I do go back there some Sundays and I'm yeah, I'm a part of a small group uh, in in that church so anyway um, but I hope to be getting to know people here in this church um, more as time goes on so anyway um, thank you for this opportunity to share a reflection and that's what it'll be just um, reflecting on some things about the Christmas story and giving you something to hopefully reflect on and, and ponder at home. I, I think, um, well, I for one don't do enough pondering, you know, and I think of Mary, it says she pondered these things, treasured them in her heart and pondered them, the things that were going on in her life. And um, I think we could um, stand to do a bit more of that. Um, but one, I, I wanna help us to remember um, four words today one is, well, one is a phrase, the fullness of time and waiting, longing, sorry, waiting, hoping, longing, okay? So it's, you can see that there's uh, the idea of time coming into things. We read in Galatians 4 um, that uh, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. You see this phrase, fullness of time. In some translations it said, when the set, set time had fully come, when the right time came. So God knew when the right time was, right? He had set the right time to send his son. You can say send his son or that the God had decided to become man. There was a time for that. And when the time was fully come, Jesus um, came. Now, um, if I were to ask you, um, like if you had to explain the Christmas story to somebody who, who didn't know it at all, like where would you start? Would you start in 
sort of Matthew with um, Joseph's, you know, dream and everything? Would you start in Luke? Where would you start? Well, uh, just for a bit of background to that question, I'll say that um, when I first went to Nepal, I was 21 years old. Our family went. My mom was teaching um, missionary kids. And I got involved in a language project and whatnot and lived in this village that was kind of out in the boonies. But um, it was a great place for language learning because that's all I heard all the time, learning, heard that language. And I had to have some training in linguistics, so I knew how to sort of, how to go about learning a language. So when we, we were able, to, my colleague and I were able to um, kind of, you know, carry on a conversation with people more than just, you know, what do you call this? It's a mango, okay. So when you can get beyond that, um, we started uh, discussing sort of deeper things. And one time we were sitting around the fire in the evening, I remember this, and um, the, this man said to us, you people are from the outside, you tell us what you think. Why were we born into this world? And uh, what is the purpose of all this anyway? So we had a great opportunity, we started explaining things, but what really struck me as a young person was that people are the same the world over. Here's, you know, you could feel like you're 3,000 years back, you know, you're, you're in a place, no electricity, you're getting your water out of the well, you're going from place to place, if it's far, you know, in an ox cart and things like that. Here, these people are raising the same questions as what we sat around in cafes at the University of Toronto discussing, you know, the same. And uh, anyway, we had our discussion. Well, later, this one man, who had had some medical training and all, he had been out of the village, he said, why do you keep talking about this need of a savior? You know, if um, God made us this way, he should accept us this way. He, we all, nobody's perfect, we've all got our flaws, uh, but so if God made us like this, he should accept us like this. Not this idea of someone outside of ourselves needing to save us, you know. We do our puja, you know, that means religious uh, rituals and things. We go on pilgrimage, we fast, we do all that. That should be kind of enough for God, right? And so it just struck us that there's a huge gap kind of in knowledge as to, yeah, no, the, the way we are now is not the way God created us. Something happened in between. So, back to my question of where you would start, we realized any discussion kind of had to start with God being there in the beginning, God creating, God making man in his own image, and then that, that, that was perfect, that was good, but then the fall. Without knowledge of the fall, we can't understand our need of a savior, right? But that um, happened, like the creation and the fall, we don't know the date of that, right, exactly or anything, but um, we know that God, in the garden, made a comment, he's made, you know, said something, which was actually a promise of a savior. And um, we see that in Genesis 3.15, when he said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. I remember as a young person, and as a teenager, hearing that this is, you know, the, the first kind of prophecy of a savior. And I thought, where do they get that? You know, just saying that humans and snakes aren't going to get along, you know. But <laughs> as, as I got taught more, I realized, no, this is the seed. It's talking about, you know, the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman is going to one day crush not just a physical snake, 
but God was talking to Satan, right, in the person of that, I mean, in the form of, of, of the snake. So God could have sent this savior, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years after that, 100 years after that, but he didn't. He waited for the fullness of time, what he called the fullness of time. And we find that God in his dealing with people often um, has waiting involved, right? You think of, I can't go through them all of the Old Testament, but you think of Abraham. He was told um, in Genesis 12, uh, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The next verse says that, that so he got up and went to the country that, or went, started out to where God was leading him. Okay, how old was he when, when he got that promise? Anybody know? Somewhere it says he was he was seventy five years old. Three chapter two chapter sorry um, three chapters later it says that God took him outside and said, "Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them." And then he said to him, "So shall your offspring be." Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. At that, in that discussion, just before this, when God took him out to see the stars, Abram said, look, it couldn't, couldn't uh, Eliezer be my heir? Couldn't, no, God said, no, it's going to be someone that comes from your own body. And, and Abram believed him. Okay, so how old was he when Isaac was born? 90, getting close. He was 100. It says he was 100. And Sarah was 90. Now that's pretty um, <laughs> different. <laughs> so he had to wait quite a few years. From 75 to 100, he had to wait 25 years. And, and um, in another place it says that he, he, he kept his hope in God, even though it says his body was as good as dead, it says in Hebrews. And, or maybe it's the Romans one, anyway. Um, and that Sarah too was barren. So somehow Abraham kept his hope in God in all those years. Why did God do that? You know, so, have you ever thought of that? Why there's so much waiting? Has anybody had waiting in their lives here? Yeah, there's more than just waiting at the stoplight, right? You've got waiting for more important things. They had to wait a long time. There was Joseph. Look at Joseph in the, in the prison. How many years he had there? He told the baker and the, uh, what was the other one, butler, remember me when you go to um, Pharaoh, tell him about me. The guy forgot, you know? So Joseph was in there all those more years. David, he was anointed by Samuel and told he's going to be king. But it was a number of years before he became king. And he, he, he could have taking things into his own hands when Saul was um, pursuing him. Even David's own men said, hey, now's your chance. In the cave there, look, God has, God has delivered him into your hand. Get up, kill him. Now's your chance. God prov provided this chance. David said, no, I won't lift my hand, raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. Right? He was willing to wait it out. And um, then later the people of 
Judah went into exile with, uh, in, in Babylon. There too they had to wait. Now sometimes God um, doesn't tell you how long you're going to have to wait. Sometimes he does. So about the exile, did God ever mention how long that would be? In Babylon? Yeah, 70 years. In Daniel, and we know Daniel is one of the Hebrew um, Jewish exiles that ended up in Babylon. It says in Daniel 9, 2 and 3, in the first year of, of his reign, that's Darius's reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Okay, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. And then comes a beautiful prayer where he prays a prayer of, of confession, really identifying with his own people how they've sinned, and that's why we're in this trouble. But he reminds the Lord of his, of his promise. So um, waiting seems to be uh, part of the way that, that God works. Now why should this be so? Why should it be so? We have um, scripture in, in, in Romans. Uh, I'm sorry I'm jumping around in some of these scriptures, but I thought there was some kind of a related uh, theme in them. That's why I put them, uh, mentioning the, the different ones. It says in Romans chapter 4, again coming back to Abraham, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. As it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact, yeah, here it is, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Then we get into chapter five of Romans, and it talks about, um, it says that we boast, well, it talks about the, where we stand, the peace that we have with God, but we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That word boast can sometimes be translated as um, we glory in it, we rejoice in it, or we boast, whatever. Uh, not, so we're, we, we're, we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So we're boasting in the hope of the glory of God. Then you go through this circle, it comes right back to hope again. And hope does not put us to shame. Another translation is it does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So Romans talks about, um, again, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Right here we've got this concept, of, again, of it being just the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. And we have this explanation of how through suffering, through waiting, we get 
um, strengthened in our faith. It says that um, Abraham was strengthened in his faith through all this. We get strengthened in our faith. Uh, it produces this, it, and even if it entails suffering, the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So I think these are um, some of the reasons that, that God, quote, does this, you know. Um, and to show that he's the one that's, that's at work, right? Like Second Corinthians talks about holding this treasure in um, clay pots. Why? It says so that uh, it'll be clear that it's God um, who has the surpassing power and not ourselves, right? Okay, I won't read all those, but um, while, so we're waiters, not restaurant waiters. <laughs> we're people who have to wait. Now I want to read uh, a final, maybe it's final, <laughs> scripture from the, from the Christmas story about somebody who was waiting. He waited for an awful long time, it seems. Can anybody guess who that might be? Joseph. Oh, well. Um, yeah. Okay. Luke 2, 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ means God's anointed one, the Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory uh, to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I love, I love this, this man, Simeon. It doesn't say that he was an old man, but we sort of gather that he was. About Anna that comes next, it says how, that she was an old woman. But Simeon doesn't really mention his age, but we can imagine he was probably old because he says, now I can die. Now you can let your servant depart in peace. I've seen it. I've been waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That was another word, name for the Messiah, the one who would bring peace and consolation. Um, to Israel, yeah. So I, I, I love this. I love just about everybody in the Christmas story. It, it just gives me joy in my heart. Whether you think of Mary, you think of Joseph. We heard yesterday about Joseph. What a shock it must have been for him to find out Mary's pregnant. But then the angel came and reassured him. Everybody, the wise men, the shepherds. The only exception is Herod, who. Makes my blood boil, but <laughs> um, um, so we are we we are waiting too. We need consolation, like Simeon. We we might be praying, "Oh Lord, how long? How long?" Like some of the songs, you might be praying that about something. I don't know. We pray sometimes for our children. I don't have any of my own children. I'm single. I have nieces and nephews. You know, we have friends that maybe we prayed for decades for them to come to the Lord or whatever. 
And maybe it's a world thing. Sometimes I get so upset watching the news and what's going on in Ukraine. Totally senseless loss of life and destruction. You know, Ukrainian mothers and Russian mothers mourning for their sons, their husbands. And it, it seems so senseless. And you just think, how long? But we know God is sovereign. He's got these things in his hands. And um, sometimes we don't know how to pray about these things. Whatever it might be that you're waiting for. What are you waiting for? Or is there something you're praying about? Sometimes we don't know how to go on praying. But we find uh, strength in the fact that the Holy Spirit, uh, according to Romans 8, is praying for us. And just think how amazing that is. That here's the Godhead, the triune God. It says in another place, Jesus also intercedes for us, right? So the Holy Spirit prays for us. The, Jesus intercedes for us. Here's the three persons of the Godhead, like talking about us, <laughs> praying for us about something. Um, it, it's just mind-boggling, really. And he prays the Holy Spirit with groanings too deep for words, it says. It is the Holy Spirit who gave Simeon the patience to wait. It says that the Holy Spirit was upon him, right? And it is he who gives us the patience. By the way, thinking of Simeon and that whole thing, have you ever thought of what Mary and Joseph thought of? Like they, they were going to the temple. This was not the eighth day when Jesus was circumcised. It was later, it says, when they went to, to complete the purification, the things that had to be done to, for, for the purification rite. So it, might, it was probably 40 days after Jesus' birth. But anyway, and that had to be done at the um, temple, the, the offering of the sacrifice and everything. And they took their two little doves because they didn't have enough money, I suppose, for a, a lamb. But they're going into the temple. And here's this man. It doesn't say that Simeon was a priest. We don't know, like, what, who was he, really? He was somebody that the Holy Spirit was on who was devout and righteous and waiting. Here's this old man. All of a sudden, you're taking your child into the temple. And this person, this old guy, comes up and said, Excuse me, can I just have your baby for a minute? <laughs> and it's like... But somehow they must have recognized that this is a God moment. I don't know, it doesn't say. But they gave him, it says he took him in his arms. That's so, so beautiful. He took the child in his arms and then said, but anyway, sorry, that was a bit of a digression. But it's the Holy Spirit that gave um, Simeon the ability to wait, right? The patience. And it's the Holy Spirit that um, helps us. We don't give up on him. Where else would we go if we didn't keep our hopes on him? Where else would we go? Just like Peter said. Jesus said, you guys want to leave too? When he saw a lot of people after the feeding of the 5,000, a lot, it says a lot of his disciples, that was in the broad sense of the term, left following Jesus. And Jesus says to the 12, do you guys want to leave too? And Peter says, no, where would we go? Where would we go? That's the same thing for us. Where are we going to go if we don't hang on to, to God? Um, yeah, waiting dem on God demonstrates faith. It instills hope. The Christmas story and indeed the Easter story confirms to us that God is present in this world. He's at work. He's doing something. He's in our lives. What were the words? The fullness of time, waiting, hoping, and longing. What is your greatest longing? Your greatest longing. Uh, the older I get, the more I realize. I've, I've thought of it many, many, many a day that this day has brought. Um, we're one day closer to seeing the Lord. 
than we were yesterday or a year ago, you know. And we're getting there. Each day brings us a day closer. And no matter what we're hoping for in this world, there's nothing that's going to be greater than, than seeing the Lord. Um, when we were children, my mom used to you know, pray with us and uh, taught us one part of the prayer, or a prayer, praying to God, was that um, help us to look for your coming again. And that stuck in my mind. So um, that's what we're looking for. To, to see him, just as Simeon saw him, it's like, now I can go. And he knew, maybe, I don't know how much he knew about the afterlife, but he, I'm sure he, he knew this wouldn't be the end. He'd be seeing God, he'd be seeing that God, the Lord's Christ again, you know, in heaven. Um, so, regardless of what we might be going through, we know the Spirit is with us, God is with us, He's enabling us to persevere, and we're moving closer to that day. That's a sure thing. Certain things we pray for, Frankly, they don't happen. We might pray for God to heal somebody. They die, you know, but God is still with us in it. It doesn't mean we're separated from God. That's what Romans 8 makes clear. These things happen. Sickness and all this, but nothing can separate us from him. And someday we're going to be seeing him. The, Th the Thessalonian Christians got worried. They, 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 Paul had taught them about the second coming, and they thought, well, what about our brothers or sisters that have believed like just like us and but they've already died and Jesus hasn't come yet they're gonna miss out it was in that in response to that kind of anxiety that Paul wrote first Corinthians first uh, Thessalonians 4 the last part of it saying that I want you to know that we don't have to grieve for those people as as, as people do for those who have no hope because they're not going to miss out. When Jesus comes back, the sound of the trumpet, the archangel, voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will go up and be with them, right? So regardless of whether we see Jesus through meeting him in the air in the second coming or whether we've, we pass away and die and we, well, we're going to be raised on that day, right? So we all are going to share in seeing him. And then it says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What's better than that? We, so um, I hope we can ponder some of these things over the Christmas um, time. I hope that if, they, if it looks like this is just too busy, I don't have any time, maybe there's something we have to cut out. I don't know <laughs> how to do it. But um, I hope you, could, you were blessed with these thoughts and that we can think about the whole thing of why God has us wait and the fact that he rewards our waiting and he's with us in it. Okay, let's just pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much that you are such a wonderful God. You know, you know our needs. You know how to develop faith in us. You know how to strengthen our faith. Uh, you know how to reveal yourself um, so that we can know you. We praise you, Father, for the wonderful thing that the incarnation is. We, we, our minds cannot grasp it that Almighty God should become a little baby, a helpless baby who had to learn to talk and walk like everybody else. We thank you and praise you. And Lord, um, the human race had to wait for hundreds and hundreds of years for you to fulfill that promise. But when the fullness of time was come, you sent forth your Son just at the right time. And Lord, we know that um, Jesus is coming back again. At the fullness of time, he'll come back at the right time. Just as it says, when the time was right, the right time he died, that Christ died for the ungodly. That was at the right time. And when it's the right time, 
uh, Father, we know that the Lord Jesus will return. And we have this to look forward to. I just pray, Father, for all of us in this Christmas season, help us to somehow have time to take time, make time, to do some pondering, to do some thinking, to rejoice in you, to worship you, and to thank you for who you are, for what you've done for us, and what you continue to do. Just help us, Lord, and help us to keep our eye on, on our eyes on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how to turn this off.